We have so much to be thankful for. Amen? Amen. Come what may. We will eventually be in 1 Kings chapter 8. I want to talk to you this morning about what is the talk of the world? The coronavirus. Don't drink Corona beer. Now, I didn't decide to preach this until 7.30 last night, so I ask you for a little bit of grace. I had already prepared my message in John, so if you come back tonight, you'll hear the next installment of John. Now, let me start with a disclaimer. I am not a doctor. I know relatively nothing about the medical field. I do not go to the doctor unless I absolutely have to, so I don't know much. As I quote some statistics, please know that's all that I'm doing. I'm only quoting. The coronavirus has been around for a long time. Some believe the human coronavirus has been around since the 1890s, but definitely since the 1960s. The human coronavirus has been around long enough that if you'll look at some of your cleaning supplies at home, such as Clorox wipes, Lysol sprays, you'll see on there that it treats the human coronavirus. And I'm not saying that this latest strain of the coronavirus, known as COVID-19, is in the same class as past strains, but I'm simply highlighting the coronavirus in general. It's nothing new. And I'm not suggesting that we do not take it seriously. It needs to be taken seriously. But let's just try to keep everything in perspective. As of last night at about 8 o'clock, and I realize the numbers have already changed, but as of last night, the death rate for the coronavirus was less than 4% worldwide, which is a number to be taken very seriously. In America, the death rate so far is almost 2%. Only 0.0008% in America have been infected. Now, it has not run its course yet, and so that will change for sure. It's likely to get worse before it gets better. As of last night, 54 people in America had passed away from the coronavirus, but I have to mention that in many cases, it's difficult to know the actual cause of death as there are many times pre-existing health conditions that exasperated the situation. So it's hard to know how many had already had weakened immune systems and so forth. It's similar with influenza reporting. It's hard to know for sure. The World Health Organization estimates that the flu kills 290,000 to 650,000 per year worldwide. But is that the sole reason? The Center for Disease Control in America estimates that the flu infects 9.3 to 49 million Americans every year since 2010. That would be 2.8 to 14.8 percent of the population annually. And since 2010, 12,000 to 61,000 Americans die annually from the flu. During the 2017 to 2018 outbreak, 61,000 people died in America from the flu. 
In 2018-2019 flu season, 34,200. And so far today in our flu season of 19 to 2020, 16,000 have died, and the CDC estimates it may be more like 30,000. Now, the problem with all of these numbers is we don't know how many were healthy before they contracted the illness. I don't know how many of those were pictures of health and just recovered. But they attach the flu to the cause of death because they were infected with the flu, likewise with the coronavirus. We don't know how many of those were healthy beforehand. We know that the Rapid City Journal has reported the man in our county who has passed away from the virus had pre-existing health conditions. I am not in any way downplaying the current coronavirus situation. It's certainly worse than the flu, but I'm simply trying to make sure we don't hit the panic button yet. If we're not to panic, then as God's children, what are we supposed to do? I think it's time to address this virus from a spiritual perspective. There is one word which best best addresses viruses in the Bible, and that would be the word pestilence. Sometimes the word plague can fit that as well, but sometimes plague would not be a good fit. For example, the plagues in Egypt, the plague of frogs wouldn't be a good fit in that case. But pestilence for sure, and and in many cases plague as well. When it comes to understanding all of this, we must first understand that it is a result of living in a fallen world. When God created everything, He looked upon His creation and He said, it's very good. But then sin entered the world through the fall of mankind and a curse was brought upon all creation. Romans 8.22 says, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Creation is under a curse. Paul went on to write that not only does creation groan, but we ourselves groan as believers because we are waiting for the redemption of our body. We are not perfect yet. We are waiting for that day when we shall be like Him. And the reason we groan even though we are saved is because we have to live in this fallen world. We live in our weak bodies of flesh. This makes us susceptible to the effects of a fallen world, like wicked leaderships, wars, commotions, earthquakes, droughts, violent weather, famines, and even pestilences. Therefore, when we deal with and become infected with sicknesses of all sorts, we are constantly being reminded that we are sinners living in a fallen world. And therefore, we are in need of a Savior. Then there are times when God will bring pestilences and sicknesses as a means of a very directed and purposeful judgment against some group of people, against some sort of regime, against some sort of earthly establishment that he wants to bring judgment against um, those wicked, the wickedness that we find out there. When David numbered Israel, and he shouldn't have done it. It was a sin. He should have been trusting God for the strength of the nation. But when he numbered the people, it was a lapse of faith 
trusting in his own strength and his own uh, numbers as a nation. And when he did that, God was going to bring judgment against Israel. God had the prophet Gad, good name, come to... Tough crowd. Um, Anybody here named Gad? I didn't think so. Lighten up. Amen. But Gad, the prophet, came to David from God and told David he could choose one of three judgments, either seven years of famine, three months of fleeing before his enemies, or three days of pestilence. 2 Samuel 24, 15 says, by the way, David chose the pestilence. So the Lord sent a pestilence upon Israel from the morning even to the time appointed, and there died of the people from Dan, even to Beersheba, 70,000 men. The Bible doesn't say for sure, but when the angel of the Lord went to kill the Assyrians, and 185,000 of them died in one night, though the Bible doesn't expressly say, many believe it was most likely a pestilence of some sort. So it could be this latest strain of the coronavirus is simply the result of living in a sin-sick world which is under a curse. Or it could be a directed, purposeful judgment from God. Either case, it's of God. And He's trying to get our attention and realize that we are not in control and that we need to repent Leviticus 26, verses 21 through 25 say, And if you walk contrary unto me and will not hearken unto me, I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins. I will also send wild beasts among you, which shall rob you of your children and destroy your cattle and make you few in number, and your highways shall be desolate. And if ye will not be reformed by me by these things, but will walk contrary unto me, Then will I also walk contrary unto you, and will punish you yet seven times for your sins. And I will bring a sword upon you that shall avenge the quarrel of my covenant. And when ye are gathered together within your cities, I will send the pestilence among you, and ye shall be delivered into the hand of the enemy. God made it clear that if they would not hearken unto him, And if they chose to walk contrary to him, then he would bring plagues and pestilences upon them as a result of their sinfulness. In China, almost 81,000, and maybe so by today, because last night it was only six away, 81,000 have been infected. And it's where 55% of the deaths have occurred. And if that's if they're reporting the numbers accurately, which we all know in regimes like that doesn't tend to happen. Is it just a coincidence that the epicenter of this current outbreak has been from China, where last year they very purposefully increased their persecution against Christians? The Chinese Communist Party leader, Xi Jinping, is trying to compel Christians to view him as a god. We know nothing about this in America. But this is reality out there in some of these other countries. 
In an article posted July 29, 2019, on the nationalreview.com, an article entitled, Xi Jinping Ramps Up Religious Persecution. It stated that, quote, teachers in China are feeding school-aged children intensely anti-Christian propaganda, building on the new regulations on religious affairs that ban anyone under the age of 18 from entering a church. It went on to say that children were coming home from school and, quote, chastising parents for their faith. Their kids are told that Christianity is a cult and that if they love their parents, they will warn them not to participate. And for the record, this has been an attack on all religions in China. On July 8th, 2019, foxnews.com posted an article entitled, Chinese Christians Flee China Amid Crackdown on Church, No Longer Safe for Us. And I recall this past year receiving a letter from a missionary who was an independent Baptist missionary in China who had to flee to Taiwan because of persecutions in China. On January 16th of this year, ChristianHeadlines.com reported that China persecuted 5,576 churches in 2019. The article goes on to cite a watchdog group known as Open Doors. Open Doors is calling China's persecution of Christians a human rights nightmare. The Chinese government is nearly single-handedly responsible for the steep increase in churches and Christian buildings attacked in 2019, said David Curry, president and CEO of Open Doors. Their newest policies are penalizing minority Christians in unprecedented ways. If they continue down this path, they will be the single largest violator of human rights worldwide. Open Doors listed multiple examples of the persecutions of Christians in China. The online sale of Bibles have been banned. Teachers and medical staff pressured to sign documents saying they have no religious faith. Elderly people told that their pensions will be cut off if they don't renounce Christianity. Churches destroyed and crosses removed. Pastors jailed. Landlords pressured by government officials to cancel the rental contracts with churches. Christians and church officials are being monitored. Children under the age of 18 are forbidden from attending church. We could do an entire series of the persecution in which China is committing against Christians. Here are some headlines that I didn't have time to get into the articles to give to you. Posted May 8, 2019, China edits pastor's sermon, deletes God made heaven and earth. For state-approved churches, their sermons will have to be approved by leadership in the country. Posted June 27, 2019, China beats and arrests pastor for not removing church's cross. Posted October 21, 2019, China demolishes 3,000-seat megachurch during their worship service. Posted on December 16, 2019, crackdown on Christianity in China ramps up. Posted December 26, 2019, Chinese panel, religious texts must be reinterpreted to keep pace with the times. And it's believed that that includes the Bible. Posted December 30th, 2019, Chinese pastor Wang Yi sentenced nine years in prison for preaching the gospel. He's a very well-known preacher in China who has been very outspoken against the leadership in China. And he's now been sentenced to nine years in prison. 
Is it just a coincidence that China is at the epicenter of this outbreak? Well, I'll let you decide that. Go with me to 1 Kings chapter 8. You should be there by now. Here we will see what our response needs to be during times like these. The previous chapter ends with Solomon having completed the work of building the house of the Lord or the temple. In the beginning of chapter 8, the Ark of the Covenant was being brought up to the temple. Solomon then offers a great sacrifice of sheep and oxen. And when the Ark was placed in the most holy place and the priest came out, the glory of the Lord filled the house. Then Solomon turns before the people and he begins to pray. And in the process, he gives several if-then type prayer requests. For sake of time, let's jump to verse 37 and let's read through verse 40. And picture Solomon praying before the people. The Bible says his hands are lifted towards heaven. And it says in verse 37, If there be in the land famine, if there be pestilence, blasting, mildew, locust, or if there be caterpillar, if their enemy besiege them in the land of their cities, whatsoever plague... Whatsoever sickness there be, what prayer and supplication soever be made by any man or by all thy people Israel, which shall know every man the plague of his own heart, and spread forth his hands toward this house, then hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and forgive and do, and give to every man according to his ways, whose heart thou knowest. For thou, even thou only, knowest the hearts of all the children of men." that they may fear thee all the days that they live in the land whither thou gavest unto our fathers. Solomon here prays that when pestilence or plagues, sicknesses be upon the land, that there ought to be prayer and supplication by God's people that needs to take place. They were to spread their hands out toward Jerusalem, toward where the temple was, we don't do that today. But we are to spread our hands towards God's heavenly temple. And we are to cry out to Him, and we are to pray and ask God to intervene. Solomon asked that when prayers to God were made, that God would hear from heaven, and He would in turn forgive that the end result would be that they may fear God. And in the account in 2 Chronicles 6, 6, 31, the phrase is added, that they may walk in God's ways. There is now a pestilence which has made its way into our land. It may very well be a direct result of God's judgment against wickedness. And what we need to do as God's people is we need to cry out to God. And we need to fear God and walk in His ways. We don't need to act like this is something new. We don't need to act like it doesn't exist. But as God's people, we need to be level-headed and go to Him in prayer because we know that He is still on the throne and that He delights in hearing from His people. In addition to prayer, we need to use this opportunity to help others. We need others to see their need for Christ. Some people are in panic mode. 
They need to know that there's a God who reigns in heaven and that can forgive them of their sins and that they can have peace with God through all of it. Times like these, some people will be in search more than others. Some people will be seeking for answers. We are to have those answers. We don't need to panic. We don't need to add to the frenzy. Because we are children of the Most High God. Let's close by going to Psalm 91. We'll read the entire psalm. Psalm 91 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers, and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon. Shalt thou trample under feet, because he has set his love upon me. Therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show my salvation. Now we know some of this is a prophecy of Christ. But we can learn from this psalm that we don't need to be afraid of the pestilence that walketh in the darkness, as it states there in verse 6. Charles Spurgeon wrote in his Treasury of David about this pestilence, quote, It is shrouded in mystery as to its cause and cure. It marches on unseen of men, slaying with hidden weapons like an enemy stabbing in the dark. Yet those who dwell in God are not afraid of it. Nothing is more alarming than the assassin's plot. For he may at any moment steal in upon a man and lay him low at a stroke. And such is the plague in the days of its power. None can promise themselves freedom from it for an hour in any place in the infected city. It enters a house men know not how. And its very breath is mortal. Yet those choice souls who dwell in God shall live above fear in the most plague-stricken places. They shall not be afraid of the plagues which in the darkness walk, end quote. I can't stand up here and tell you that you're not going to become infected. But I can tell you that there is a hiding place that you can go to in the Lord. You can trust God come what may. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in panic. But you can have the assurance that God is in complete control at all times. With that being said, we're going to go ahead with two services. (laughs) 
I called Brother Long last night. I said, Brother Long, before I say that, are you willing to come to two services still? And he said he'd be in a hazmat suit. But... And if you've never heard singing through a gas mask, we are likely to see a more than expected lag. But let's keep walking by faith. Let's recognize that God has a purpose in all of this. And it's our responsibility to go to God in prayer and seek for Him to be merciful to our nation. And then we can rise from prayer knowing that we have been to the secret place of God. That we can trust God and not live in fear. It is also our responsibility to point others to the Lord. Let's remain calm. Show others that they can have peace because God is not the least bit surprised by any of this. And as His children, we don't need to act like God isn't all-powerful and all-knowing. If God's people panic, what does that say about our God? Maybe you don't have assurance today. Maybe you are terrified of the virus because you don't know God. I would invite you to come to Christ for salvation today. And you can know the peace that passes all understanding. And you don't have to live in worry anymore. Say, preacher, you're not worried about getting the virus? I don't particularly want it. But I'm not out there worrying and wringing my hands and thinking, woe is me, what is going to happen? The song was played during offertory. His eye is on the sparrow. And I know He cares for me. You know, the Bible says our life is worth more than many sparrows. And if God knows when one of those hits the ground, listen, brothers and sisters in Christ, He knows where you're at today. He knows how to take care of His own. There will be opportunities to minister. There are some elderly in our church that are not comfortable coming to church right now, and that's understandable. There are some with pre-existing health conditions, and that's understandable. But it's an opportunity for us as a church to minister to those who otherwise don't want to get out. This is a time that we can grow closer together as a church family. So let's take care of those who otherwise are unable or just unwilling to go out, and let's minister to their needs. And uh, we can do that for the lost and really make an impact for them. So if you have neighbors, uh, friends, coworkers, things like that, Use this as an opportunity to testify of Christ. So I just want to encourage you this morning. Let's pray about things. Let's be sensible. And let's trust the Lord. And we're going to press on. And we're going to go forward by faith. Let's pray.